Hello and welcome back to another episode of Business of Film. This is episode 49. My name is Jesse Eichmann and you're listening to an episode of CraftTruck.com. All right, so today we're doing something a little different. I haven't done this before, so you're just going to have to bear with me and hope that this actually works out for the best. I'm kind of calling this a recap episode. Uh, I'm going to effectively be soliloquing, if that's the right word, for the next 40 minutes, uh, and I'm not so sure this is actually going to work out or if that it's even a good idea, but I'm hoping that it's at the very least helpful. Now, why am I doing this, uh, and why am I calling it the recap episode? Well, first of all, the fact that we've got 49 episodes in is pretty cool, at least to me, because frankly, I didn't think we'd get this far. Uh, it's I'm looking back, it's almost been a year since we started, and we've, we've covered a lot of ground in that time. So what I wanted to do was I wanted to go back all the way to episode one and kind of give you my uh, highlight reel, I guess, of the things, or at least some of the pertinent things that that I learned, uh, or my takeaways, the things that I can recall and remember from these episodes uh, that I thought were pretty neat and pretty cool. And at the same time, not only highlight some of what I would consider the the takeaways or the interesting thoughts, uh, kernels of wisdom, if you will, from these episodes. But also, uh, if you're listening to this uh, possibly for the first time, or you've only listened to a few episodes and you're kind of diving through the catalog and you're not quite sure what episodes might be of interest to you, uh, I'm hoping that this episode will help connect you with some of our past episodes that uh, would be of interest to you, things that you can go back and listen to at a later date and time. So, uh, yes, we don't have a guest today. I'm sorry, you're 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 stuck with me, and uh, and yeah, that's just just, just the way it, it's it's going to go down today. Um, the other reason why I'm doing this, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna have to call myself out on this, is not that I wasn't able to find a guest for this episode. Although I've I've had the idea in my mind that I wanted to do this for some time. But also because we're in production on a film, so that the the time that we have available to actually do these things just getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And so here I am. It's I mean, just perfectly honest with all our listeners, we go to we go to production tomorrow on an indie feature that I'm working on, and so I'm jamming this in here uh, early in the morning, Monday morning, the day before. I'm recording this the day before this is going live uh, because uh, I want to get this out, but also because it was something that I felt was important. Now, why am I not doing this on episode 50? Uh, well, that's because I'm still just trying to get, there's somebody I'm, I'm trying to get on the show uh, for episode 50 for this kind of special episode. I, I To be perfectly honest with all our listeners, I don't know whether I'm going to get this said person. And uh, I don't know what's going to happen next week. I got no one lined up for next week. It's kind of crazy. We're flying by the seat of our pants here. So... Anyway, here we go. We're going to go down with, um, let's, let's actually go all the way back to episode one. So episode one uh, was uh, producing with Nicholas Tabarrok. Now, Nicholas, um, he is, was uh, and still is a, uh, uh, an amazing producer, uh, but had produced uh, films such as Defender, uh, The Yard of the Steel, wonderful films, indie films, and uh, also a good friend of mine, someone I've known for a long time. I've... Uh, had the opportunity to go down and meet with Nick- Nicholas in his uh, office in LA, and he talks a lot about all. Really, it's it's kind of like this this hodgepodge of just wisdom and and knowledge about what it takes to be a producer, and how he goes about financing, packaging, and, and putting films together. 
But the one thing that really stuck with me in that particular episode that I'd love to share with you now is that he basically said that in order to be a producer, he kind of wished that he had done things differently when he started out. Um, he started out in sort of the accounting side, which I guess would be, you know, more of the, the, the nuts and bolts of, um, you know, obviously the numbers of film. But he said that if he had to do it again, that he would have started out probably as uh, an assistant for an agency or for a producer or a production company. Because he felt that at the end of the day, in order to be a good producer or a good executive producer, the job, a lot of his job is actually spent on the phone, making connections, being able to call people uh, in the industry and make the necessary connections to get a film made. The actual nuts and bolts of making a film, the actual practical elements of it, was less important uh, from a producerial standpoint than it was to, for example, know how to be a production manager or know how to be a production accountant. Because those jobs, I mean, those are crafts in and of themselves uh, when you hire, a, uh, you know, for example, a PM or an accountant or any of the various uh, jobs on a film. Those are very specific jobs, which if you're hiring good people, they've spent uh, years uh, honing those specific crafts and talent. But the talent of a producer, uh, from his perspective, was really being able to make those connections, being able to pick up the phone and call an agent uh, and being the glue of a production. So I, I just thought that was, I mean, it's, you know, that was almost a year ago now, that that little bit of wisdom stuck with me. And so uh, I'd highly recommend uh, the episode with uh, Nicholas, great guy and just a lot of knowledge there. And that's episode one. Uh, so moving on to episode two, we did um, uh, an interview with... Uh, a well, uh, two friends of mine and colleagues, people that I've had the pleasure of working with before, Neil Dodson and Corey Musa. Uh, they run a production company called Before the Door. Uh, that's a partnership between uh, Corey Neil and Zach Quinto, uh, and they were the producers on uh, Margin Call. Uh, they were the producers on All Is Lost and uh, the upcoming J.C. Chandor feature, uh, A Most Violent Year. Uh, Neil and Corey, the, uh, again, uh, we go into a lot of producing uh, fundamentals with them. Also, a wonderful episode. Uh, highly recommend that one. But the takeaway for me there was a very simple idea, which was that it's hard to make a small film. It's hard to make a big film. So you might as well make, uh, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, you might as well make a big film uh, or in said in another way, you might as well make a film that you love because it's hard to make, whether it's big or small, it, it's, it's a hard road. And so uh, you might as well go, go into it with the, you know, the, the biggest aspirations that, that you can uh, and obviously dealing with the parameters, financial, creative, and otherwise that you have to deal with. But, but think big was, was sort of, I, I think, the takeaway there. And we also talk about other things like how they go about uh, packaging films, which to them was really director-driven medium. Uh, you, you have a director that you can attach to the project. The director helps to drive talent. And then you bring on a packager or uh, somebody who can effectively make those high-end connections uh, that we were just talking about in Nicholas's episode, an executive producer, somebody that can, you know, uh, take the director, uh, bring in talent and connect that all up with financiers. And uh, they, they term that as their packager. So that and more in episode number two with Neil and Corey. Uh, and now moving right along to uh, an, a uh, episode three, uh, manager, uh, Echo Lake Productions and Motsakai. Um, okay, this was this was really. Uh, I, I would say this is a 
wonderful primer if you're a first-time filmmaker. Uh, if you've never made a film before or you're just thinking about it or if you've, or if you've made a couple shorts, uh, listen to this episode. Uh, Amot has a lot to say on that specific topic. Uh, he teaches. He, he is a, a manager of uh, some amazing client over at Echo, clients over at Echo Lake Management. And um, the, the takeaway here, I think, was really just one of those get up and do it sort of mentality, which is, you know, if you've got 10,000 bucks in the bank, and I'm, I'm just picking an arbitrary number here, but, it, but if you've got some financing or a little bit of money and you're thinking about, okay, how am I going to make my, my first feature? You know, do you put it into a short film? Do you, do, you, do you spend all your time, you know, writing a script? His feeling was, you know what, in the long run, a feature is going to help you the most. So literally grab some friends, pick up a camera, have a loose story, improv it if, if, if you must, but get a feature down, you know, really just get get out there play with it put something down on film that can actually help your career was was his point and even if you got 10,000 bucks if you grab you know or less two dollars you know grab some friends grab a camera um you know if you don't have a finished script just arc out uh, a sort of story and have you work with your actors to improv it and just get something on there that uh, on film that you you know that can showcase your your talents. So it was sort of one of those things where you don't want to spend five years of your life just getting stuck in development hell uh, or trying to make the perfect script because it's not really what it's about. It's about actually collaborating, working with people, putting things out on film. And even if it doesn't work, then you've learned something in that experience and you can improve on it later. Uh, what he's really getting at is just preventing yourself from getting stuck in a rut where you're just where you're where you're trying to get the perfect talent, or you're trying to get the perfect script, or you're trying to get enough financing. You know, it's just at the early stages of your career, it's less about the, it's less about trying to do too much too quickly and more about just doing something. Uh, and I just thought that was just a really interesting idea. Uh, and so I, I think that would be a, a fun one if you're a first time, again, first time filmmaker, working on a short film um, for or a first time dive in with that one. All right. So, um, episode number four is, uh, indie producing with uh, filmmaker, Richard Boddington. Uh, Richard is one of those producers. He's done a couple family films. He works with bears, kids, uh, dogs, a lot of animals. Uh, he, he his last feature film was uh, against the wild starring Natasha Henstridge, which you may have seen plastered all over Walmart in these past few months. It's just done incredibly good business. Um, that particular product and, He's been working on some sequels now to his Against the Wild franchise. But at the time when we had filmed this, he had done uh, two films. He had done, actually he had done three films, but two really family-oriented films. One was called The Dog Father and the other was called Against the Wild. Uh, Against the Wild was the one with dogs and uh, bears and whatnot. And so his approach to filmmaking is also very guerrilla. Uh, but it was also really interesting to talk to him about how he gets things done with the financial constraints that are available to him. Uh, and he gets into a lot of detail on that. Um, he has uh, sort of seven tips, if you will, to for filmmakers that are looking to do indie films, mostly ways to, to, to crunch a budget, uh, to get things done uh, with the resources that you have, and just a lot of really interesting advice there. So if you want some of those kind of, uh, I don't know, film-producing hacks, if you will, uh, then that's a cool episode to listen into. 
uh, episode five, we had uh, somebody from Traction Media with us. In fact, the uh, Marin Olson, uh, who runs Traction Media down in LA. Uh, we talk about the sales environment and uh, what it, you know what's working in the domestic marketplace. Uh, how you should go about working with sales agents and sales companies. Uh, so that's really a kind of a cool one. Um, I think one of her big takeaways, at least one of the things that stuck with me, although there was just a ton of advice in that one, like I just I couldn't even begin to start with all the things, wonderful things that she had to say. But certainly uh, something that stuck with me at least was the idea that it's just so important to get real-time advice from people in the business. So if you're working on financing and packaging a film, you want to be out there in the marketplace uh, talking to sales companies, whether they're domestic film reps or international sales agents and uh, people who are doing the day-to-day uh, with the with the buyers. Um, because at the end of the day, more than likely your film will land up in the hands of a sales company that will be selling your film to the international market and to the domestic market. First of all, she makes a distinction between the uh, domestic marketplace and the uh, uh, reps that handle films in uh, domestic, and when I say domestic, uh, I'm referring specifically to the U.S. or North American market. Uh, so she first makes a delineation between working with sales companies specifically for U.S. distribution and secondly working with international sales company for international distribution. Uh, they are two very different markets. They do come with two very different skill sets, relationships, and um, and I guess expertise, but the the general takeaway is that you want to be working with somebody who's having that, those kinds of real-time interactions with the buyers because the market does change so quickly. So if you are putting together a film right now, packaging it, get out there, find some people you trust, get advice, ask them questions, ask as many questions as you possibly can from as many very different people as you can. Uh, and get the kind of real-time information that will help you uh, package your film and put something together that, at the end of the day, uh, would be sellable. Um, Now, of course, there's an intersection between business and art. I'm not even going to begin to get in there now, uh, because that, I think, is that's like opening up Pandora's box. But uh, that, that episode certainly goes into some of the specifics about what you should be doing and how you should be tackling and thinking about these things. Uh, but I should say certainly that at the end of the day, it does come down to concept uh, and it does come down to just having a great idea and a great story to tell and not being too derivative, if you will. At least those are some of the takeaways that Marin had. So another really cool episode. All right. So we're 15 minutes in. How are we doing? We're up at episode number six. I got 40 minutes to do this in. I'm not even sure I'm going to make it. Um, well, yeah, I'll make it. I'll just go faster or I'll cut out the bad episodes. Nah, there were no bad episodes. Maybe a couple that weren't as good as others, but I won't, I won't call them out here. Um, all right, here we go. Hope you're enjoying this. This kind of feel like, I feel like I'm on one of those like speed, speed dating, uh, you know, uh, events. You ever done one of those? I've never done one, but I feel like this is what it would be like. Okay. So episode number six. Oh, okay. This is super cool. This is Steven Sills. Um, he wrote a book called movie money. Uh, and if you haven't read that book, totally encourage you to go out and buy that book. Movie Money is an amazing book. Uh, you may not be a numbers person, but if you are, if you aren't, first of all, he just, he breaks down the accounting 
of Hollywood studios, how that works, how studios hide money. Uh, I, I'm not, I shouldn't really say that, but uh, how they can be creative would probably be a better way to, to spin it. But uh, first of all, the book Movie Money is awesome. The conversation with Steel Stephen is really cool. Um, and it's all about Hollywood accounting practices, uh, or as he likes to call it, Hollywood's creative accounting practices. So recommend that one, definitely. And over to episode seven. Uh, okay, so episode seven, we had the uh, producers of uh, Bad Milo, Extracted, Static, uh, John Suits, Gabriel Cowan on the episode. Um, and this was all about, well, really some, some fundamental film producing kind of information in this one. Uh, first of all, uh, great guys, a lot of very tangible information came came out of this one. Uh, we spoke a lot about attracting talent to films in this one and how to go about picking a distributor. So uh, that would probably be um, a good episode. Also, micro-budget filmmaking um, and kind of the transition between micro-budget films to larger-scale pr- productions. All that's kind of covered in this episode. So you can tackle that one there. Uh, episode number eight, we had Mia Bruno, uh, Mia, sorry, Mia Bruno, the acquisitions manager over to Grav- Gravitas Ventures. Uh, so Gravitas, uh, if you don't know the company, totally recommend that you check them out. Gravitas, they do a lot of online digital distribution, uh, or they were, I guess, one of the pioneers in that digital distribution uh, model. Um, but what we talk about, actually, <laughs> it's funny. I, uh, I, I remember when, I, now that I'm kind of recalling this episode, I was, we, we should have called that episode sex and drugs with me and Bruno. Uh, why? Well, you'll have to listen to the, uh, to the episode to find out. But the, uh, the takeaway from this one is, uh, the, the way in which the, first of all, we talk about the distribution models, how the various distribution, model, distribution models are working, what's working on different platforms. Uh, so that's kind of a cool one if you want to if you want to find out some of that information. Um, I'm actually just I'm doing a quick refresher because I'm kind of scrolling through this on my uh, on my computer as I'm talking about just to remind me which episode is which. Um, but. Uh, the the one of the really cool things I, I remember from from this episode was the social media factor and uh, that social media in general was impacting their decision making. So if they're looking at a title uh, or a film that they're going to potentially acquire, they're going to look at the social media metrics of the kind of audience that you may have built. So all else being equal, if your film if you spend some time out there and you've, a, and you've been able to attract, you know, thousands of followers to your film, well, that actually has a very material impact on a distributor's buying equation because they know that your film comes with a following. So I, I think that's a, that, that, I mean, it may go without saying, but I do believe that it is a fundamental shift in the distribution uh, thinking and the way distributors are thinking about product and what product they're going to uh, put on their shelf uh, to occupy the what is a very limited shelf space in the indie film distribution business. All right, that was episode number eight. So now we're going over to episode number nine. Uh, Brian Udovich, uh, he's a film producer. Uh, this was uh, a pretty awesome episode. In fact, I, I remember I wanted to get Brian back on the episode because we just we started talking about um, a whole bunch of stuff related to film producing, very specific uh, film producing um, uh, conversation. 
and uh, I just he was just I mean this one was actually a long time ago uh, not I mean relative to the other ones but it was um, I just remember how awesome the conversation was with Brian and how amazing a guy he was uh, he brought so much to the co- to the conversation and to the overall plan of what it means to be a film producer it's basically film school 101 I mean that that's really what I would call this episode was film school 101 so if you're interested in that then definitely go check that out all right, uh, Andrew Van Housen, Vandenhausen, Vandenhuten, I'm sorry, I screwed up the name there, that was, that's my bad. Andrew Vandenhuten, he did All Cheerleaders Must Die. So as I'm, and as I'm talking here, I'm just going to do one quick thing. Hey, it's Mark again, he's back. Hey, hey Mark, how's it going? Yourself? Good, I'm doing a live podcast as we're going. It's not actually live, but in, as I mentioned to you, we're doing a film. Our, our line producer just walked into the office. So I'm walking over to my door now. I'm closing my door so I can finish up this episode as we continue with pre-production. Um, anyway, this is fun. <laughs> okay. Weird, right? Is that totally weird? I don't know. It's kind of weird. <laughs> if you've stuck with us this long, you're like, what the fuck's going on? Holy shit. This is like some weird-ass episode. You're in like some Twilight Zone, right? Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, hope you're getting something out of this. Or at least pointing in the right direction. Okay. So, uh, Andrew Vanden uh Oh, yeah. He just came out with this film, All Cheerleaders Die. I just, I, I remember, the, I, I love the artwork of that that film. Um, but we talk about things like the art versus, we, we talk about pitching. We talk about art versus commodity. We talk about the value of short films. But the one takeaway that I had from that one, and I think it is super critical, is that when you're pitching a film, you've got a limited time in order to get uh, somebody's interest. For him, it was like 30 seconds to a minute. And I don't believe that's specific to him. I believe that's specific to pretty much everybody. And while that may be tr- uh, that may be something that you're thinking to yourself, well, yeah, I know that. Of course, it's, it's common knowledge. I don't think people take that to heart. Because the reality is when people pitch, and I see this all the time, and Andrew sees this all the time, you, you sometimes you get into the nitty-gritty of the pitch, right? You start talking about your project on like a very, very beat-to-beat or point-to-point or you know, plot-point-to-plot-point. You're literally starting at page one, you start going. I mean, if you're rambling on about your, your project and you're four minutes in, you probably are doing something uh, wrong. To be perfectly frank, you got one minute, two minutes to really capture somebody's attention. Then kind of take a breath. See what's going on. You got to be able to engage in that conversation. But if you don't capture the initial spark, if there's no initial spark within that one to two minutes, you probably don't have a sellable concept. You probably haven't honed your concept to the point in which it is sellable. Um, or at least sellable from uh, the perspective of a concept or a genre. Of course, there are always films that are, you know, they're love stories or, or dramas, and those can sometimes be very difficult to articulate in, you know, in a minute or two, or, or a way to differentiate it uh, from other love stories or dramas. But you, you need to find some way to capture the interest or the imagination of the person that you're pitching to in a very limited time. Um, so that was an interesting one. And moving on to episode 11, Travis Stevens, Big Ass Spider was the name of uh, one of the films that, uh, uh, that he produced. And also, I believe, Cheap Thrills, uh, which came out uh, or, uh, earlier this year. And we talk about the economics of genre films uh, in that one and uh, you know, the difference between horrors and actions and sci-fis and sort of, you know, how those just 
generally speaking, tend to be a little bit more easy to, to, to finance uh, because buyers can wrap their head around it. Um, going back to the very first episode with Nicholas, in fact, and this kind of dovetails into this, you know, the difference between that drama and that genre is that dramas, a lot of buyers uh, or, you know, uh, sales agents, they'll say, well, you know, these things are execution driven. You know, what that really means is they have no way to really think about, you know, conceptualize the film because they're kind of wait for the final product. So it kind of dovetails these two ideas with being able to pitch quickly uh, with you know films that are sellable because people can identify them, uh, they fit into a specific genre. So all this kind of swirls together into one big, I don't know, one big idea, I guess. Um, but at the end of the day, passion sells, uh, and I think that that goes for a lot. That means a lot in this business. Um, the next two episodes were producer-driven episodes. These was we, we got we had Lauren Silverstein who did a um, who recently uh, directed a film called Free Runner and Michael Baker uh, episode thirteen, uh, another film producer as well. These two episodes uh, they're they're really insightful episodes. They're producer-driven episodes. They 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 tackle um, the ideas of what it means to be a film. Uh, producer and how to how to cast your films, how to package your films, just tons of great stuff in those two episodes. You can see how I'm moving a little bit faster now. Why? Because we're 25 minutes in, and I got a whole crap ton more to go through. Um, I'm gonna have to pick this up a bit, or maybe I'll put this down, cut this into two if I don't get there fast enough. Anyway. Moving on. Uh, oh, yeah. Michael John Fadun. Uh, he was the producer of The Devil's Double. Okay, this is super cool because if you've seen The Devil's Double, um, it, first of all, it was a very large international co-production. It was very difficult uh, to put together. It took many, many, many years to get the whole project together. And, and we did a case study. This, this is a full case study on The Devil's Double. Double The Devil's Double. We talk about the financing. We talk about how the, the financing fell apart and came back together packaging it with the director, uh, premiering the film at Sundance, all of that. So that's episode 14, Michael John Fadun. If you want a case study on a film, I recommend you go check that episode out. All right. Now we kind of enter, um, I'm going to kind of group these three episodes together. Episode 15, we had the co-founder of Tug. Uh, episode 16, we had the CEO of, of Seed and Spark. And just scrolling up here, where was episode 23? We had um, Gather Films. And so all of that kind of together uh, is that sort of theatrical, uh, on-demand kind of model. So between episode 15, where we had Nicholas Gonda, the CEO of Tugon, and episode 23, was it? Yeah, episode 23, where we had Scott Glosserman, the CEO of Gather Films, we get a lot of information, very specific information about theatrical on demand. I can't highly recommend these two episodes enough. Um, if you're thinking about taking your film out theatrically by yourself and using one of these on demand theatrical platforms that allow you to effectively plug into a distribution model uh, of theaters and rally an audience around your film, uh, those two episodes are absolute musts. I mean, you're, these are the these are the, the the presidents of the guys that actually created. Uh, the quote-unquote theatrical on demand. This is what I consider to be the ultimate takeaway of those two episodes, uh, of the episodes with, uh, with Tug and Gather. I'm going to talk about Seed and Spark separately, um, but certainly the, the, the Tug and Gather episodes. 
my major takeaway on those is that you need to have an audience that you can identify. Uh, a very specific audience, people that you can find. If you've got a drama or a film, you know, if you have a drama, it's going to be a lot more difficult unless you've got a very specific rallying cry around that. Like, for example, it was based on a, uh, a book series that uh, millions of people love. But if failing that, failing an identifiable audience, if you just have a drama or some genre film or something that's you can't very specifically identify your audience. Um, and by audience, I'm, we're not talking like, eight, you know, my demographic is females 18 to 34. That's not your audience. I'm talking like this, your audience, in order to make theatrical on demand really work, your audience is people who fish, you know, uh, 50 year old plus people who fish, uh, or your audience is people who love motorcycles or your audience is people who love video games. Whatever it is, I mean, you, you have to rally around a very specific thing, um, a, a way in which to find these people. And if you can do that, and if you can I truly identify your audience, then you can make theatrical on demand work uh, exceptionally well, in fact. Uh, so those are really worth listening to. Emily Best over at episode 16, the CEO of Seed and Spark, she is an incredibly eloquent person uh, and has has a lot to say about crowdfunding. So, I mean, just, sorry, just to, to, to separate this for just a second, because uh, I think I, I mixed, I may have mixed it up there uh, just in non-intentionally, but you, you may have mixed up what I was getting at before. So, tug and gather, those are theatrical on demand experiences. And then there's the whole crowdfunding platforms like Seed and Spark and Kickstarter and Indiegogo. So, those, obviously, those are two different camps. Now, they do cross in many ways, um, but just for the purpose of this conversation. Seed and Spark is a crowdfunding platform. And we talk about how to get the highest conversion rates. We talk about what's actually making a difference. We talk about the utility of crowdfunding. And we talk about the, the critical questions that you need to start, uh, that you need to be asking yourself before you start. Um, and those critical questions, I should say, are these same questions that you need to be asking yourself uh, if you're dealing with a theatrical on-demand film. Again, it comes down to who your audience is, can you identify them, and what do they love? And if you can do that, if you can answer those kinds of questions uh, very specifically, then you will have the opportunity to crowdfund successfully as well. Um, so that was that episode. Seed and Spark also totally recommend that one. Um, how are we doing here for time? Let me just do a quick little time check here. 30 minutes. Oh boy. Okay. I don't think I am going to get to the end here. I think I'm going to have to stop this halfway through. You're getting kind of real-time internal monologue here. But maybe that's what I'll do. Maybe I'll do half the episodes on this episode and the other half on the next episode. I might have to. Anyway, moving on. Uh, also, I still haven't had like a sip of water. I should do that. My voice is kind of cracking here. Uh, frankly, this is, this is tough. I feel like I'm drowning in my own verbiage. Um, but again, hope it's useful. And okay. Episode 17. Oh, this is cool. We had, um, Jeannie Bowerman on. She was the editor of script magazine. So for all you screenwriters out there who are listening to the podcast, this is a fun one. Uh, and we talk about, uh, we talk about 
a lot of stuff related to screenwriting, uh, but not in the way you think. It's not kind of like, how do I screenwrite? How do I become a successful screenwriter? Although we do talk about the things that uh, help influence screenwriters in the business of film. But I, I would think one of, the, one of the more important takeaways out of this episode, and you, and you may not think it relevant per se, or just think about it right off the top, but certainly uh, makes a ton of sense, is you, you need to attend uh, networking events. And uh, she goes into what the top three networking events are. Uh, she talks about uh, what you should be doing at these networking events. Uh, and just being able to get out there and meet people. Uh, I Listen, screenwriting can be a lonely world. You're stuck in front of your computer most of the time. But getting out to meet people and networking you know, at the, the major screenwriting markets, that is truly important to making the kind of connections that you need to make as a writer because half of the job of being a good writer is having the connections and the people who will, you know, who know you, trust you, like you, want to work with you. So those are, that, that was an important and I think insightful thing uh, that, that I took away at least from, from that episode. And she goes also into some, some tips and tricks about, you know, what, what works well. So we do also get into some of that crafty kind of stuff too. So there, you, you'd have fun, certainly recommend listening to that one. Um, then we had uh, James Shapiro on. Uh, he's from Draft House Films. He's the CEO, COO there. And what I love about this episode uh, with James was that he, he gets into some of the real economics of film distribution. He talks, uh, he, he, gives, he gives away some of the numbers, just like, just cold. Like, here's, here's what he needs to make it work. One of the interesting stories he shares was what he, you know, and how he thinks about theatrical distribution. Uh, when he decides whether or not he's going to pick up a film, he kind of runs them backwards. He thinks about, okay, well, how much do I need to, you know, how many screens, how much money, how much P&A do I need to put out there to make this work? And kind of runs it backwards. But his basic formula is for every dollar of theatrical gross that he wants to make, he's got to calculate effectively a dollar of his own uh, money or a draft house money to, to, to P&A. Um, it is an expensive game, theatrical distribution. And we talk more about that in episode 19 with Mark Ehrman. Uh, Mark Ehrman, oh, so look, just quick, just before I move on to Mark Ehrman's episode, uh, the episode with James is is awesome. Like, I totally recommend that one. Um, and we was followed up very quickly with this episode that we did with Mark Ehrman, who uh, was I mean he he is a long term industry stalwart. He started at Columbia in publicity. He he worked at uh, Lionsgate. He worked at uh, Think Film, and now he runs his own independent distribution company uh, called Paladin. And we talk about we talk a lot about uh, distribution, what it takes to be successful these days in 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 bringing out a film theatrically, but. One of the very interesting takeaways from this one is that is his his comment on the whole crowdfunding and theatrical on demand model. Those and and his take on that was yes, they can work, but it's very again very specific, and also you don't necessarily get the same kind of reach out of that that you would from uh, more of a traditional model. But one of the big things, one of the big things that he talks about was that the value of a theatrical release, because in order to, to draw attention to a film, you need to get people to write about it. And if your film is just going straight to VOD, most critics aren't going to write about your film. So the value of a theatrical release, limited even if it is, is that you're getting people to write about your film. 
Uh, and that, from a publicity perspective, is tremendously valuable because it helps your films, you know, it helps you cut through the bullshit. Um, helps you cut through all the films that are out there. And one of the other interesting things that he said, which, again, has stuck with me, just because this was such an insightful episode, uh, one of the other really interesting things that stuck with me was that right now you're not competing against what's coming out that same week, although you might think you are. You're kind of competing against the entire history of cinema. When your film goes on to, say, a VOD platform or onto a Netflix, you're, it's not just top 10 or top 25 films that somebody needs to choose from, although, although obviously those are your, your main competition. But when I sit down at Netflix, I'm going through the, the history of cinema. I've got all types of television to watch. I've got all types of films to watch. I can watch anything. And so when you, when you have the ability to watch anything, the value of having a theatrical release and having people who have written about your film and put information out there into the marketplace, it just means that when I get to your title, I might stop and think for that minute longer because you'll have that connection. I've seen that. I've read about that. I've heard about that. Oh, yeah, I want to you know, check that out or I want to buy that or rent that. That is incredibly valuable. Um, episode 20, moving on, uh, we had the CEO of IndieFlix on the show, Sheila Andreen. Um, I like to call this episode just getting real. I mean, we, we really talk about what it takes to be successful or to have a successful indie film release today. And, you know, there's no bullshit in this episode. It's just it's straight up. If you've got a drama film with no stars in it, you're going to have a really, really hard time. Um, and we, we talk about things like that. We talk about the true value of uh, SVOD platforms, the true value of how films break through. I mean, it was just this real nuts and bolts kind of, you know, come to whatever kind of kind of conversation where it's just there is no bullshit in this one. She's giving you the straight goods on film producing. Anyways, um, we're 20 episodes in. I thought I'd get through more of them. 37 minutes strong uh, on this one. So I'm going to wrap it up now. I, I I hope that this little recap episode gives you some indication, at least in those first 20 of what you might want to listen to. I hope there was some interesting stuff there that at least you would pull uh, pull away and take away from, from this episode. Um, I don't know whether this episode will completely bomb or whether you'll be like, I don't want to listen to this again. I prefer listening to guests, um, which I, I, I don't. I uh, I prefer interviewing guests, but I wanted to just for the time constraints and just because again, this was something I was thinking of doing. I thought it would be just a valuable exercise. So let me know if you like this. Uh, let me know if you found this valuable, leave a comment, please at crafttruck.com. Um, this will be episode number 49. So it'll be crafttruck.com slash B O F 49. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, leave an episode, uh, sorry, leave, leave an episode. Record your own episode and leave me an episode. Uh, leave, an ep- uh, leave a comment uh, at, at crafttruck.com on our site, uh, episode 49, or on iTunes. Uh, tweet at us. Let us know whether or not this was uh, at all worthwhile uh, for you if you'd like more of this kind of recap. Certainly, uh, I'm thinking about diving into some of these topics in greater depth, maybe interspersed in the future. Um, as greater recap episodes, but uh, for now, I, you know, I, I think certainly accomplished what I wanted to accomplish out of this episode. Didn't quite get through fifty. I didn't think it would take this long even to get through twenty, but 
anyways, uh, again, hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for listening, uh, and I, I appreciate it a lot. And I hope that these business and film podcasts are, are useful to you. And uh, certainly, I've learned a lot in the last uh, almost 50 episodes now. So uh, I hope you've enjoyed the information thus far, and uh, we'll, we'll be seeing you soon. So take care.